Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is funny because folks, when folks take me into this journey, which I'm obsessed with, ground floor is usually like a bit more of a fabulous person or like whatever. You've gone straight to sex. And I champion you for it? I suppose so. <laughs> I suppose so. is you made me queer hold for applause five four three two one hold for screams this is you made me queer the show where we drop our fifth and final season with no warning because if a surprise release is good enough for taylor swift it's good enough for us. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Wait, 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 wait. Back up that Yeti mic. Did you just say fifth and final season? Yes. Yes, fifth and final. Why? Well, because uh, sometimes as we age, and I'm certainly aging, uh, we decide maybe maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's time to let go of something we love. Send that old dog out to the farm where it has larger pastures. Uh, so that's that's what I've decided to do. I'm going to send You Made Me Queer to a farm where it has larger pastures. And that means this is our last season, but don't worry. We have so many... What's all this we? It's It's me stuffed next to a microphone in the dark and uh, an ivy. Now I have an ivy hanging nearby so I can get some biophilia. Anyway, the point is I am obviously need to do something else uh, like, you know, be interred. And so this is going to be the fifth and final season, but I have some fantastic queer geniuses for you on this fifth and final season. So you just hang on tight. I promise there is a lot of furious retribution in store. Also, hey, guess what? I couldn't say this when I was recording because there is a bit of a gag order. But by the time you hear this on Thursday, I will have been officially nominated again for Canadian Podcast Awards. This time, seven nominations for You Made Me Queer. Can you believe it? I can't. Here's what they are. People's Choice. Oh, I wish. Outstanding artwork for a series. Thank you. Outstanding main title theme music for a series. Honestly, justice for Critty. If we win one, it should be this one. Outstanding Society and Culture series. Outstanding Adult series. Outstanding Health and Fitness series. 
listen, I'm not here to argue. Bring on the awards. Outstanding comedy series, obviously. Hello! Uh, so you may remember last year we were nominated for six. We won two. I'm still incredibly flattered. I mention it constantly at job interviews. And in the line of Tim Hortons. But that means this year I need to win a minimum... 2.3 out of 7 awards to maintain my win-lose ratio. Any less than 2.3 will be a step down, and uh, I only step up. That's, we're going to the farm, we, we gotta go big. Why don't we win all 7? That's my question. Why don't we aim for 7 and compromise from there? And another announcement, we, here I go again with we, we have a new editor. Sean is fine. Sean is fine. Don't worry, we love Sean. But for a variety of reasons that are much too boring to go into or share, You Made Me Queer needed to take a brief hiatus while we found a new editor, which we have. Anyway, that is uh, why there's been, you know, a surprise season break and we're suddenly back. But just know, just know, Sean, if you're listening, you will always be You Made Me Queer royalty and you have a permanent Murphy bed in the You Made Me Queer vault which is exactly like the Disney vault, except your dad spends more time there. Ayo! Anyway, uh, your dad also says hi. Uh, because of that, some of this season's episodes were recorded a little bit before their release date. You may hear a reference where you're like, wait a minute, that is no longer true and I'm confused. For example, Taylor Swift has uh, released 31 albums in 2023, but this guest cites 14. That's why a little bit of time has passed. Uh, I'm sure she, there was another album out last week. She's unstoppable. She's, but how many Canadian podcast awards did she get nominated for? It's, ask, answer me that. I don't think any. Anyway, my beef with Taylor is a separate show. Let's move on to season five's very first guest. The last first guest on You Made Me Queer. This guest is here. This guest is queer. This guest is Alan Clifford. Alan Clifford. I just tired myself out with not breathing for that long. Alan Clifford, if you don't already know, has quite frankly the best beard in North America and so many other great features. Let's learn about Alan. Alan is the artistic director of the Second City, New York. Ever heard of the Second City? Ever heard of New York? That's all the acclaim we need. Uh, Alan is originally from Canada, which is how I originally know Alan, and he has been producing, writing, directing, and teaching comedy for over 20 years, which is surprising because he doesn't look a day over 22, so that's an early start. He recently served as the AD, Artistic Director of Asylum NYC, where he helped to launch the award-winning off-Broadway sensation Titanique. I think it's called Titanique. We've got an accent aigu on the final E. Uh, I would have called it Titanic, but uh, no one no one asked me. In addition, Clifford has produced industry audition showcases for Saturday Night Live, The Tonight Show, and Just for Laughs, as well as award-winning plays and musicals. Aside from his work in New York, Alan has produced and directed shows in Toronto, Los Angeles, London, and Edinburgh. Clifford's most recent project has been developing a free national high school improv program with the New York City Department of Education. Boy, oh boy, improv is everywhere. We've reached peak improv uh, in schools. When, when are they going to learn math? Actually, this makes sense because uh, 
I mean with AI, with calculators, what do kids really need to learn these days except for yes and if this is true, what else is true? Um, so you know what? I'll improv all the time as far as I'm concerned. And Alan, you are the principal of our hearts. Uh, this conversation is a lot of fun. Alan is a lot of fun. This one's a little salacious. We talk a lot about mushrooms, doing mushrooms, which I still haven't done or tried. I'm always on the fence. It seems like the wrong time. I have the wrong guide uh, with me. Not that it's, you know, it's ever been in the moment, but when I when I sort of mm, speculate about what what that turn would be like for me, I don't know. I just feel like I already have too many variables in my life and in my brain without, you know, substances. My baseline is chaos. Anyway, enjoy my conversation with, again, best beard in North America, a dream come true, the one, the only, Alan Clifford. You made me quit. Where, where are you right now? I'm in, well, I'm in a basement. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of, not a choice, but generally where I end up. No, oh, great. Thanks, thanks. I'm fine with it. You are not. Look at these plants. Yeah, I got a lot of plants. There's a lot of plants in here. Um, yeah, a good plant story. Good plants. So these are all live plants behind me, too. These are the hardest to care for. So yeah. is that a mask over there? That is a mask. Yeah. This is a mask. I am actually dog sitting, and I wonder if I can. There he is. Oh, yeah. I... right there. Oh, oh, cute. Yeah. Gays and dogs and Gays. plants. Gays and dogs and plants. That's the trifecta. You've got it all. That's how it works. Is there any, is there, by the way, any language that I should avoid uh, on this? Like, no, great question. Well, first of all, we are already into it because I record my intro after. Yeah, this is all streamable content. Uh, so where are you? Are you in New York City? I am in New York City. I'm in my uh, my little apartment here. Center of the universe. So Center I've heard. Central yeah. Park's right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she's she's a Midtown girl. She's an Upper West Side girl right now, but but she might move back to Brooklyn. We don't know. Yeah. Were you in Brooklyn before? I was in Brooklyn for four years, four and a half years. So great. Why'd you leave? Um, I wanted to live on my own. And I really do love this apartment. And it was a little bit of a pandemic deal, too. So, uh, but I am thinking of moving back or like more downtown because all the comedies in Brooklyn, all the comedians are in Brooklyn, you know, so. Yeah, I believe it. Good for you for getting that pandemic deal. You got a squad in that thing till you're really ready to leave. Yeah, so the rent didn't go up at all this year, but I think it's going to go up by like $1,000 or something this next year. So if, <laughs> it, it really depends. It depends how much they're going to raise the rent on me. Well, you're totally fair. I guess there are two options. One, you move straight into that theater you run and yeah. squat there. Or two, more realistically, we're probably all going to be dead by that point, Alan. Well, I know, I know. I'm, you know, we, we, we don't think about that reality. It's fine. It's so great. It's so much easier to make decisions as uh, the world burns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything's yeah. a temporary tattoo these days. Yeah. Well, you saw how New York, well, also Toronto was that way. Well, yeah, we burned. You burned, we burned. It was like apocalyptic here, though. Was it apocalyptic there? We got a bit orange, but I saw some photos of Manhattan where I was like, it, is something actually on fire there like it yeah, was two hours there it was 
scary. It was <laughs> crazy. Were you freaking out? I wasn't really freaking out. I did buy a mask and and like put because I was out for meetings, like meeting in the middle of that apocalypse. So uh... <laughs> I love New York collectively was like, we think we're on fire, but also are you going to come for your 2 p.m.? <laughs> well, I was also two weeks before I was working in a show on a show in Edmonton. Yeah. And, you know, all that there, too. So I experienced it a little bit before. My lungs need a check. <laughs> you got all the flavors of apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's all fine. And I think that's a perfect segue, Alan, because yeah. we think one thing is happening. We're going about our lives. And then suddenly our senses become aware that something is happening. Something is kind of proverbially on fire, you might say. Um, maybe someone said it. Maybe it's the natural cause of events. But when you and I were growing up, these fires were invisible. These queer fires that groomers, that TV shows, that all sorts of people were setting to cook us into uh, warm little queer monsters. Alan, am I right or am I right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm right. Yeah. Thank you. We're aligned. So that's why I've called you here today with your plants and your dog and your very complicated and demanding microphone to point the finger of blame once and for all. And I can't wait to hear it. Alan Clifford, who and or what made you queer? Um, I think it was uh, Christian Bale. Oh, in which iteration? Uh, in Newsies. Oh, such a good deep cut. Yeah, it was It was in Newsies. Christopher, Christopher, Christian Bale. Christopher, Christopher Bale. Yes. Uh, it was Christian Bale in Newsies. And I was, I remember I was at my friend Jess's house and we were watching it on her like big, she had like a big kind of like movie screen, you know? Yeah. And uh, the feelings were coming. <laughs> they were coming hard at Christian Bale. So first of all, what was your age at this point? So I was probably, I would think I was like 16, maybe like 15. Oh. Yeah, a, probably 16 though. Okay, a latecomer to Newsies. Yeah, yeah. I think I we watched it, I don't know, seven or eight, eight or nine maybe when I started getting into that. I don't know why my parents, like I, I did Disney, you know, which I get, was that Disney? It's it was Disney, yeah. So it doesn't make any sense, actually. So never mind. It makes no sense that I hadn't seen that until 16, but I had. But I don't know. I think it was like viewed as something different. I mean, it's sort of historical fiction. So maybe people are just like, this isn't as for kids as like Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Or whatever. But let me tell you, Twink Christian Bale. You can't. <sighs> he was a he was a looker, that Twink Christian Bale. He, okay. There's so much there because first of all, that Newsies boarding house I was like, hey, where's the gym? Because you all are hot as hell. <laughs> like, what's going on in this this house? Yeah, it's a, there's, a, there's a few things like that. Like, I think right afterwards, I saw John Stamos in Cabaret. Like, that was the second one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it was yeah like I do. I'm not going to let you go there yet because oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. Newsies, Christian Bale, Santa Fe dance sequence. Turn yeah. on or turn off? You know, I don't even really remember the movie now. I remember Twink Christian Bale, but I don't remember the movie necessarily. Did they do yeah. like a, did they do like a, and they were like raising their hands? Yeah, yeah. there's a lot. So there's group numbers like Seize the Day or like uh, I'm the King of New York when they're all like flopping around, whipping each other with towels, like semi-shirtless and athletic. And like, that's, that's a different turn on. And then solo Santa Fe Christian Bale 
He sings the song by himself, this big sweeping ballad. But he also has like a solo dance break in it where he like slides around on his knees. And it's like kind of like Kevin Bacon and Footloose or what, you know? Yes, which he kind of famously has talked about and he's kind of embarrassed of now. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, yeah, great. Vulnerabilities. That's right. Oh, there's your Achilles heel. Uh, so are you more Christian Bale among all the sweaty newsy boys? Or you you want Christian Bale on his own singing a ballad? You know, I'm Christian Bale with the newsy boys. Like, just like get, getting it, getting it down, you know, like uh, really like that strong choreography. Yeah, not angsty. I don't, I don't know. I was okay. probably an angsty teen, but I liked when he was like having fun with the boys. Totally, totally. Like what a fantasy, even though <laughs> as with so much history that we romanticize, probably incredibly bleak to live through. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm Being sure a newsy. it was too fun. <laughs> That's right. Or was it the most fun? Was it, depends what happens. We didn't know what happened in the private time of the newsies. They could have been love in life. Although it's funny, right? Like imagine going back in time to like, tenements of new york and being like one day children in the suburbs will dream about being you yeah we'll dream about being poor newsboy in the middle totally new york kissing all the other poor newsboys it is new york right it oh you really don't remember this movie i really don't and i never saw it on broadway never saw that either so oh I saw the filmed ver- the filmed version, which like it's di- a Disney property, so I think it was on Disney Plus. It holds up. I think you should watch the movie. I should. I need to watch the movie again, and I should also, I guess, watch this taping of the yeah of the show. I don't know it, why I I have avoided it ever since. I guess that maybe we're unlocking something here. We very well could be. I encourage you to do it. <laughs> I've heard some people. Well, listen. First of all, it's incredibly white. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. As, as- most things were. That's right. That's right. Disney in the 90s was a, yeah, it was white and also pretty het. But I mean, please, you can add the subtext yourself. Well, it's, I mean, it's pretty het now if you think about it. They're adding some gay characters here and there, right? You mean in the film? For, Coco's or the, gay, right? Coco's Coco? What? Who's Coco? You don't know. It's like, I think it's a Disney Pixar Coco. Oh, Coco the Kid Coco. Yeah, Coco's yeah, queer. Coco's yeah. queer, yeah, for sure. Coco. There was another one. It was the one about the little boy in the fishing village who like races cars. Luca. Oh yeah, that that guy. That's the gay one. The gay fish, right? Yeah, big time, fish. big time coming out story. We love it. Yeah, we love it. We love Disney now. So that's right. They're working through it. They had to hit the Ron DeSantis schism. Not to go dark. What drama going on? Speaking of world burning down, but you were going to take me to, what was the next movie you said? Oh, uh, it wasn't a movie. It was um, one of my first Broadway shows, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, Which was Cabaret with John Stamos. Oh, yes. He was the MC. He was the MC. And I was a similar age to uh, the Newsies. And uh, (laughs) that's how we refer to time. Were you Newsy age or post Newsy age? I was Newsy age. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I just, I remember being in that Broadway theater with my parents just thinking like, wow, so John Stamos is very hot and like all the kickback club boys or whatever they're called. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a bit of like a sort of androgyny with that character always, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how old were you and talking me through this experience? Is there a number? Is there an outfit that kind of like dog whistled to you? 
Well, so yeah, I mean, I think he wears basically the same thing the whole time, which is the sparkly red nipples and and painted white and suspenders over this kind of like jock strap type thing. So I think it was it was first that, but in whatever number where he gets very close to the boys, and I think there was one scene too where he's like looking down, like, and all these boys and him are all cuddling, having a little cuddle puddle together. <laughs> and uh, sick. That's when I was like, mm, there's something happening here. You wanted to be in that cuddle puddle. Did you want to be the John Stamos, or you just wanted to be with the John Stamos? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you know, I'm notoriously uh, a daddy now, so I probably <laughs> wanted to be John Stamos, I guess. But um, yeah, I would have, I would have, uh, you know, they were all, I'm sure, fine, fine looking gentlemen. Upstanding folks. I know what you mean. There's something about suspenders with no shirt and then a weird kind of clockwork orange codpiece situation but also the uncle jesse part too you know what i'm saying like you you know you grew yeah. up with phil, phil, phil house full house and phil. like you know uncle jesse was uh, john stamos is a you know a looker yeah he- sure famously that was like his character background was he was handsome yeah like elvis presley bye bye birdie you know what right. I'm saying? conrad birdie yeah. did he play conrad birdie i think he did i would assume so i can't see why not but yeah, he was just, I don't it was like a whole combination of things. Also, one of my favorite shows I've ever seen on Broadway. It was like also just very good. I thought so you were talking also, about Full House still for a second. You no, mean no, Cabaret. No, I mean Cabaret, <laughs> although okay. Full House the musical, I don't know. But yeah. Who who was the Sally Bulls? Was that Molly Ringwald? Who was it at the time? It wasn't, or was it Natasha Richards? Yeah, it was Liam Neeson's wife who passed away in a skiing accident, I think. It could have been Natasha Richardson. I'm not I think, sure. I think you may. I wasn't really paying attention to Sally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, apparently you're like, I don't recall anything else or the plot of Newsies. You like what you like. <laughs> this is funny because yeah. folks, when folks take me into this journey, which I'm obsessed with, they usually, fl- ground floor is usually like a bit more of a fabulous person or like whatever. You've gone straight to sex. And I champion you for it. So, well, I mean, not to mention like the first time, you know, me and my best friend would, you know, give each other hand jobs or whatever. Like, for, what? Like, the first three years of my life, like 13 to 16. But that's that's besides the point. It was newsies, okay? That hang, whoa. Every 13 year old queer closeted person is like, you were getting laid? Yeah, from like 13 to 16 with 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 a good friend who's hopefully not listening to this. Okay. Uh, okay. So where where were you living at this time? Uh, in Winnipeg. Oh yeah. Yeah. Merciless, uh, unforgiving winters of Winnipeg. Unforgiving winters of Winnipeg. Yeah. So was this a like a classmate you had a crush on? Were you just friends who like happened to trip and fall in each other's laps? What was the dynamic? How am I diplomatic about this? This person is straight. Okay. Um, so how am I diplomatic about this? The, it was a good, you know, good friend. Um, we were, you know, uh, using the, uh, restroom he had gone through puberty and I had not. Oh, okay. And I had sort of, you know, we were using the urinal. So I looked over and I was like, oh, curious. And that's how, that's how, uh, things started. You mean you were like, oh, you, you're, you have a man's body. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. It was that kind of a talk. Yeah. Yeah, I see, I see. And then the natural evolution from that is, uh, I need to touch it. 
I suppose so. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> right. Good for you. Good for you. And at that age, you're experimenting anyway, right? Yes. And so I applaud no one for putting a label on it. I am curious about how it all ended at 16. Was oh, the last one special? Did you talk about it before? To talk like to my therapist about <laughs> it. Um, no, it, I think that I I had sort of like moved into a new group of friends. <laughs> okay. There are there. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm not going to push that. That that tracks for me. So there we are. So we're left. Alan at 16 has been revolutionized by Newsies and Uncle Jesse and one special friend at the urinal where do we go next uh where do we go well i mean you know i i um i used to go to a summer camp we uh, love a summer camp story summer where camp. tell me everything well it was called camp Masad, and i i don't know you know like the showers that we had they don't exist anymore they've been made in, and they have stalls but the showers were open so like you know all the boys in your cabin or whatever would shower together and then i think my first year of being a counselor if i'm not mistaken i wasn't out yet yeah but all the counselors you know at, at first i was showering with all my friends because of my cabin mates yeah eventually it was with all the counselors because i was also a counselor that's right okay you graduated different shower i graduated different shower and actually when i when i was coming out i thought to myself because you know i was still a counselor at the summer camp and thought to myself like one of the reasons why i was scared to come out was like no one's going to want to take a shower with me um, <laughs> which was actually the opposite but um <laughs> but um yeah it was you know that like that was that was a, a big one for me as well, I guess, because I'd already probably realized at that point that I am gay, but I still wasn't like fully like I'm gay, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there, I don't know about you, but like I had a threshold when I kind of, it was teetering on the lip of my subconscious. And I was like, as soon as I acknowledge this in a real way, I think it's going to start to change some social dynamics, which yeah. it did. It didn't yeah. have to, but like, just with the tools I had at the time, it mega changed the way I shared space with men. I was super right. weird about it. So right. did you suddenly like wear a bathing suit in the shower? No, no. I went in, everyone <laughs> else went in and it was fine. Yeah, no, I, I never wore a bathing suit in the shower or anything. I think I've always had a bit of a complicated relationship with men because of, you know, I was very made fun of when I was like a kid, you know, yeah, and so yeah. when you're made fun of by men, I guess you have a bit of a weird relationship with men. So, right. um, but, uh, yeah, that didn't stop me from getting in that shower. And it, kudos. Did you slap each other's butts with towels? Was it that kind of thing or very civil? I, you know, it was like the straight guys would like pee on each other and stuff, you know, it was like what? dumb stuff that what? like, which, which was also like. Okay, if you're into water sports, just like let us know, you know. Um, so kinky. So kinky, yeah. Like it, you know. Oh, and also, I remember one night where I got really. Um, I had a camper. It was his first day there, and it was uh, at night. And we had like rooms in the cabin that were separate to the campers, but you could still hear them. And I'm coming back from the showers, and I hear one of the campers, and he like just met me that day, and he was talking to sleep, and he was saying my name. Ooh. And I got so freaked out that I ran back to the showers, where one of the maintenance guys, you know, also like similar age maintenance. Yeah. Uh, was there already showering and we just like hung out in the shower for hours and we did puppetry of the penis whoa whoa 
with the maintenance guy yeah with the maintenance guy yeah um your, your life is like the mood board for all gay pornography well like what is what I, i'm also realizing as i'm talking now i'm like wow okay like very sexual upbringing i suppose yeah apparently these things happen like what the has the plumber come to fix your sink and dot 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 maybe i maybe i like got it all out at that time like prematurely i'm not i'm not too sure that's so funny also this is funny because like those spaces a group shower well you know whatever you navigate that etc but like for me for example when i was a child i was in swimming lessons which i loved and as soon as i started to get a bit staring at the boys kind of or catching myself or being like something's changing i ended up quitting swimming because I was so embarrassed to be changing with them. And I was like, what can I do? I would change like in the corner behind a towel. And I think they thought I was just shy, but even that was mortifying. And right. then, so I also like skipped gym all the time for the same reason. But then I ended up finishing the high school at a high school where they had, the showers were like columns in the middle of the room with four shower heads in opposite directions. Oh yeah. And you just gather around it and I'm like, I mean, I get if you have to have an open shower, but this is clearly designed for like a prelude to sex. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it's even, I don't know, that's like, you see that in films too, right? Like, yeah. it's very eroticized, like, you know, the, the male culture is very eroticized. You're totally right. It's you know, true. they don't even know it. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Peeing on each other? Straight, what? Straight boys. But you're right. It's like, what? I mean, I guess women do that too, gathering around the showerheads they had the same thing it just seems like such a a weird thing i don't know how did they make it out a lot how are they not all gay i think a lot of the women uh shower and bathing suits now that i think about it like yeah like i think a lot of them did shower and bathing suits but yeah the men were the men were different i suppose <laughs> that's um, right a bit yeah. of bravado yeah, nothing sexual happened, you know, but we would we would all shower together, you know? And well, that's so... the thing. But you're right. It is sexually charged in that way where you're kind of like, I don't know. I think cis men, the way they're socialized, have more of a culture of like showing off or like trying to one up yeah. each other, which is, I think, kind of erotic in its nature. And I think like all like all men have a little bit of queer in them, you know, that's the dream It's just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I think, I think there is like a little bit of inherent queerness in, in everybody. And so I agree. That's why I feel like everyone's a little uncomfortable with something, you know, and yeah, yeah maybe totally. I became too comfortable too quick or something. I'm not sure. I Well, I think it's also because, you know, and we're joking about this stuff, but like mm, going against gender performance or, or orientation performance is much more taboo for cis men. And yeah. so I think that's why those things get so supercharged because for women, it's like, if they touch hands by accident in the shower, whatever, like no one's going to be like, get away from me or freak yeah. out. But where men famously like you're constantly policing, like who's touching me, who's wearing what, who's standing close to me or looking at my whatever. And it's all a lot of shame, I think. Yeah. I think, yeah. Like, men carry a lot more shame, maybe. Um, and don't talk about that shame as much possibly, too. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But I think that's like a big thing. Like and. I think I think you open a lot of doors when you like deal with your shame and a lot of men I don't think deal with their shame. <laughs> they don't, but it sounds like somehow you came into this world like it's you, you I love that you're telling me all these stories about situations where you sort of got the best out of a situation. You made me queer. You made me queer. We'll be right back. 
Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. And now back to more You Made Me Queer. You made me queer. Did you have a hard coming out, like a bottleneck of coming out or was it all sort of smooth? No, you know, I I am very fortunate to have grown up around a very supportive unit of people. You know, I'm very uh, lucky in that sense. Uh, I know that like not a lot of people, I think there was like maybe once in high school, this guy named Derek, he's probably gay now, but um, (laughs) this guy named Derek said something. It was, I don't know what it was exactly, but it was the only time I've really experienced that kind of a thing. Besides like once on the streets in Toronto, somebody somebody yelled out, faggot. Um, And then, um, and that's really it. So I'm very, very lucky in that way. But it was good friends first. And I knew that another one of my very, very good friends had experimented with a guy before, not me, but somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I came out to him first, also straight. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay, great. And then my friends, and then eventually, almost a year later, I already had a boyfriend. At what age? When I came out to my parents, 17. Oh, yes. Wow. That's real quick. Uh, I had a boyfriend at 17. It was slightly more traumatic. I've actually had him on the show. Was it hidden or was it? It was very hidden. We were, we went to singing lessons with the same teacher. And mm. then we were both in a recital where we duetted. There's nothing like a dame. <laughs> That's so funny. Couldn't you die? And I don't That's... think we'd already made out by that point. But uh, yeah, I'm sure the whole audience was like, that felt unerotic. <laughs> Yeah, you you can't really go gayer than that, you know. I know. I my know. my boyfriend at the time when I was seventeen, he was also very in the closet. Father, very conservative politician. Ooh. My really good friend Azora was very good friends with him, mm-hmm. and they were in like a choir together. And the choir was doing Joseph, and I sat. I was sitting with my friend Azora right behind his parents. Ooh. And he was Joseph. And he came out the first, his entrance, he was like with the hands. He was just like running out with the hands. It was like, well, if your parents don't know, they are clueless. <laughs> Truly. Okay? That is a theater queen. Yeah. That's kind of a, a bit of a gay role. Let's be honest. Listen, Joseph is a, a not the lead character of that musical. B, kind of annoying. And C, very, yeah, pretty flancy. Yeah, he needs to be played by a gay man and that's it. And you know what, Donny Osmond, so there we go. I mean, that's right. It's always been a gay man, just like Donny Osmond. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's actually funny. That's one of my things, seeing that show in Toronto. And a lot of my friends now were in those kids choirs when that show was here in Toronto, a lot of theater kids. And I remember when he comes out, he sings Close Every Door, he's in prison. It's like a deeply historically important uh, biblical moment and it's really layered. And I'm just like, he looks pretty cute, right? (laughs) (laughs) Donnie? Yes. Oh, Donnie. Well, Donnie was very cute. Well, but he was singing a song for like the heart and the souls of of the 
Jewish people throughout time. And yeah. I was cruising. <laughs> that, that Mormon did you in. Oh my God. Let him out. It's so funny because you know, yeah, he's a famous Mormon. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. His sister too, right? Oh yeah. Donnie and Marie. Donnie and Marie, both yeah, Mormons. Both big Mormons. I'm always surprised by who the who the Mormons are. Yeah, or or who the or Scient the Scientologists. Do you watch Saturday Night Live? I do. Do you know that? Oh, I shouldn't say this on the podcast, but Chloe Fineman is Scientologist. Oh, Scientologist. We gotta lower our voices. I, well, I love that we lowered our voices. Like this can't be her. Like we're whispering. We're, I'm gonna be, broadcast this. No, but she is. She's yeah, she's a Scientologist. I'm sure she's not ashamed of it. Elizabeth Moss, also famously. There must be a coming out party for that, right? Is there, you know? I don't know. They don't really, I don't know if they do. Yeah, how do you tell people? I don't, I don't know. And I also don't know how you get involved. I'm so fascinated with cults. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how one would, would go down that route. Listen, I've, I've two thoughts. One, I always mystified when these people get taken in. But the other side of the coin is that it all makes perfect sense sometimes. And I think in the right time, in the right place, with the right frame of mind, yeah, some of these people are pretty charismatic. I might say yes. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they, 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 there's some good values there too. The ground floor like, of a cult is always religions. very good. Yeah. yeah. It always starts usually sort of like helping the downtrodden, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to stage two, which is like, and then also you have to make out with me and sleep in the sleeping bag with me. And then it gets starts getting a bit weird. Yeah. And then we, have, we all have to go to French Guyana and, you know, I, there you are. <laughs> Who doesn't love a vacation, Alan? True. Oh, I need one bad. Oh, my God. Jonestown might not be it. Yeah. One yeah, to Jonestown, yeah. What's Jonestown like this time of year? It's actually a really good like ABC thing that just came out. That's all about like it's like two seasons of cults. It's great. <gasps> it, oh my god! Yeah, like, I that oh, stuff there's is. There's a comedy cult also. What do you mean? There's a comedy cult here in New York City. Improv. I, yeah, it's like a, it's like a it's it's called Car World. <laughs> they might find this and post this. What um, does this mean? So it's uh, this guy, William Banks, who's like kind of Andy Kaufman-esque. And he has these apostles and they have tattoos. It's like a real cult. Like you should look it up. Car World. Car World. Look it up, we, that might be the cult that we join. I mean, listen, it's it's arts based. I have a driver's license. Do we need one? Uh, well, I'm sure that Will, you know, Will is always looking for transportation. He's <laughs> I think he came to Toronto as well. If not, I, mean, I think there's a Toronto chapter. Car World, Toronto chapter. I'm interested in this. We're going to follow up. Maybe they'll yeah. sponsor the pod. It's possible. <laughs> possible. Okay, so we, well, you can tell me if cults made you queer, but otherwise I want to go back to, I think where you left us off was. Well, I, I was coming out to my parents. You were coming out to your parents with the first boyfriend. Yes. So I had this boyfriend. I did not have the best relationship with my parents at the time, not because I was gay. Um, but because, you know, I smoked some marijuana, oh, um, bad boy. And they, and they really didn't like that. And so we had a very, very bad relationship. And I think I had been actually living out of the house for two weeks at my friend's house because they caught I think they caught like a marijuana device in my, uh, car. Yeah. And so I was granted, I was like, no, I'm leaving. Cause I used to be a spoiled brat. And uh, and so I lived with my 
friend Jess, but the whole point is that I came out to my parents. All my stories sound crazy. Uh, I came the, out to You've my got parents. good stories. I've got pretty good stories. And this one is no exception. And I just told <laughs> this to my parents too. I just revealed this to my parents. But okay. um, like recently, about last year, I told them. But I came out to them tripping on mushrooms. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was in, I was with my friend, Saul, uh, shout out to Saul Raber, wherever you are. I was with my friend, Saul, and we were on tripping on, on mushrooms and I was smoking cigarettes at the time too. I was a real badass. Oh my God. And, and so we had been out, we were like doing it at my house and we had been out on a walk or whatever. And I came home and my mom was sitting on the stairs and we got into this big fight. Like my friend Saul went downstairs and we got in this big fight and she was like, you smell like cigarettes and all this kind of stuff. We got in a big fight. I'm tripping still. So I go downstairs and I'm like feeling angsty and stuff. And like, I'm thinking in my head, like, I got to do it. I'm going to do it now. Like oh, I'm no. doing it now. And so I looked at my friend Saul and I was like, I'm going upstairs to get a snack. And he was like, okay. And then I sat on my basement stairs just thinking like, how am I going to do this? What am I going to do? Like, how am I going to? You know, then I go up to my mom's room and I wake her up and I bring her down the hall with me to my room. And I had a blow up chair because, you know, the blow up furniture was like very big at that time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you had blow Was this the 90s? No, this was the early 2000s. Okay, yeah, kind of yeah. like the swan song of blow-up furniture. Did you have like a beanbag chair or a blow-up chair? We didn't, I don't think we had a blow-up chair. We definitely had a beanbag chair. In early yeah. 90s, one of, someone in my family had a waterbed, which is essentially oh. a death trap for your spine. I remember always like wanting that. But um, yeah, so she was sitting on the blow-up chair mm -hmm. and there were pictures, uh, all these pictures of my friends. So like... Her face is like going like the scream mask and like, you know, it's dark and, and all the pictures are moving and stuff like that. And I'm like, mom, I have something to tell you. I cannot and believe in that moment that felt right. Nothing in your brain was like, Alan, just wait. It felt right. Okay. So, and maybe it was just to, to have the story to tell. Um, <laughs> That's but fair. I said, yeah, I have something to tell you. And she's like, what? And I said, I, I can't like you, like you tell me. She's like, no, I think. You have to tell me. And we kind of oh, went back knew. and forth. Okay. Like a, you tell me, you tell me. Yeah. And then she was like, you're gay. And I said, yes. So um, she said it first. Yes. She okay. said it first. Yeah. Okay. So, and you know, like we, we have uh, some gay family friends and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was like totally, uh, you know, absent-minded to it, but, yeah. and then I asked her to tell my dad. That happens a lot. I hear a lot of that. Yeah. And, and also I told my, cause she was accusing me of smoking pot, which of course you probably were doing, but I was like, <laughs> no, I was smoking cigarettes. Yeah. So I also came out about that. So then I went back downstairs to tell my friend Saul what was happening. And my mom told my dad, and then I came upstairs. My dad comes down he's like crying and I'm like, Oh no. And he looks at me and he goes, please don't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. You have to kind of front load something you're willing to give up that they're going to think is worse and then slip in the gay thing underneath. Yeah. Mushrooms, pot, and cigarettes. Yeah. I think I needed to go through all that to be where I am today, I guess. You know? I mean, that's right. And the blow-up furniture, which blow up furniture. no one called you out on. No. What is interesting, Alan, and what I think everyone wants to know is, did you quit smoking? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I was 21, I guess. 
and I quit for about nine, ten years. And then I like did a social smoking thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't smoke cigarettes. So there you go. Your parents got what they wanted. And that's when you so you got to drop that and then just go as gay as you wanted to be. Yeah, go as gay as I wanted to be and go and go to musical theater school. And <sighs> Oh, my God. I can't believe we didn't get there. Also, when you woke up the next day and your high was gone, were you like, oh, my God, did I come out to my parents? I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think I knew like what was happening. And also, I had to drive my friend Saul home. So... Patience Hall, who sat in the yeah. basement while you were getting snacks and were probably yeah. gone for like two hours. And he also knew that I was gay, right? Like all my friends knew, right? Right. So all knew, but he did not know that I was coming out. Oh my God. You didn't even know until it happened. Yeah. It kind of was a, you know, that's, that's kind of a good metaphor for life is it happens when it happens. It, it happens when it happens. And, you know, if you're listening and you are, you know, coming here to the choice and you do it when you're ready, but when you're almost ready, maybe just take mushrooms and you'll be ready, ready. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also um, use responsibly. Use mushrooms responsibly when just in your childhood family home exactly yeah <laughs> well your parents are asleep so so this is your last shot here anything else you want to quickly throw into the bus and blame um before we tidy up um i mean yeah sure I, like i will blame my uncle david who's a family friend who is gay you know just because oh. he was a gay in my life you know how we i can't believe we skipped this one how young were you when you first met uncle david Oh, I, I would. I'm sure I was very, very young. Yeah. Uh, like eat, I used to like eat peaches in the sink, and like that's how young. <laughs> Wait, he ate peaches in the sink, or you did? No, I, I did. No, okay. He, he was a full adult, so I don't think he could fit in the sink. Like, oh, I you were in the sink. Okay, I was inside the sink eating the eating the peach. That's that's what I used to do. That's my favorite scene from Call Me by Your Name. And <laughs> so was he kind of he was out amongst your family and known as Gay Uncle yes. David. Out amongst my family, very good friends with my aunt, and also lived next door growing up to my aunt and my mother, obviously. So, and I remember that I, so maybe on the playground, I had heard some sort of song, and I don't remember what the song is, but it was something that, you know, it was one of those songs about like gay or whatever that wasn't yeah. good. And I <laughs> was, I guess I was in the sink eating peach, as, yeah, sure, as one does, singing the song. And yeah. he was like, don't like, you know, he kind of scolded oh. me. He doesn't remember this. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So uh, that was uh, that was actually my first experience. And I guess that was my first bit of gay shame. But it's funny that it was gay shame in the sense of like he was saying, don't shame gays. Exactly. It was gay shame shame. It was gay shame shame. And he didn't know it at the time, but he was shaming a fellow gay. Oh, I love that. you. It's, I mean, sure, it's more complicated than that but you had a positive role, queer role model that young. Yeah, yeah, he lived in Toronto. So, but yeah, it was, okay. it was, it was neat to have that. And then, you know, like I went to drama school and stuff, you know. Oh like, yeah, please, game over. Yeah. yeah, ever since I was five, it was like, you know. Yeah, I think you saying, uh, you referencing John Stamos and Cabaret is basically saying I went to drama school. Well, my role model at the time actually was, was a guy named Philip Duncan and he ran, he ran my extracurricular drama school and he was really the, I, you know, I don't blame uncle David for that. I actually blame Philip. <laughs> okay. We blame, this is great. Philip, uncle David. So let's go back. So we blamed Christian Bale and Newsies. We blamed John Stamos and Cabaret. We yeah. blamed 
summer camp i think i think we're well, no playing... my my friend the friend oh the jerk off friend that's right he's straight and it's fine and more power to him wink wink nudge nudge we have the mechanic in the communal shower which a lot of people are thanking you for that mental image yeah. uh, and then we go on to coming out mushrooms we blaming mushrooms mushrooms yeah mushrooms gay uncle david and then phil and then Philip, yeah. I mean, there were little crushes along the way, but you can't go through them all. Listen, please, this is a single episode, not an anthology, Alan, so dial it down. <laughs> and we're almost out of time, so before I let you go, Alan, would you like to play a game? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Okay, great, great. This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerist. Queerer, Queerist! Okay. You're going <laughs> to... I love it. I'm going to give you three things. You're going to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. Okay. Okay. Very easy. You've got this. Thing number one, candy wrapper comics. Some candies as a kid you would tear open and there was a comic on the inside. That's thing number one. Thing number two, John Arbuckle from Garfield. I don't know if you're familiar with the comic strip. Yes. No, very familiar. Yeah. That sort of lanky singleton talks mm. to his cat lives alone little swishy we don't quite know what the backstory is there but maybe he's been hurt before thing number three is and i haven't heard this but i can imagine sort of the the landscape of it the audiobook version of elizabeth gilbert's eat pray love <laughs> okay these are the three things candy wrapper comics john arbuckle from garfield and the audiobook version of elizabeth gilbert's eat pray love least square to most square and why Okay. Well, you know what? For least queer, I'm gonna go bubblegum comics. Okay. It, were they? Was it only Bazooka Joe, or were there other ones? Yeah, good question. I think my main, like a double bubble comic, is the main one I think of. Bubble, yeah. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure there were a lot. I mean, gum's pretty gay, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have to do that. And it's a controversial because Eat, Pray, Love, and the audiobook of Eat, Pray, Love. I, I don't, I'm unfamiliar. That's fine. Same. But so I'm putting it as second gayest because I know that it's probably gay. Sure. And I think that audiobooks uh, are also gay as well <laughs> because you know, who has the time? Okay. We have gays don't. Lives. Gays don't. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah and then um well yeah john arbuckle i guess is the is the is wow the, um, yeah and you know it didn't really like you know ernie and bird of course are queer but this is yeah. about them this is about john arbuckle that's right yeah, like you know he did date he did he did he date. did yeah. he did date you're right but it oh he always killed it pretty quick yeah and you know he wasn't he always bringing dates to his parents I th I think yeah in like a sort of a sad sack kind of story arc the beard it, it was the, they were it was beard. the beard don't you remember cats. there was that cat named Nermal and I think the owner was like a cute she had a cute little bob and I think she liked him but he was always kind of deflecting this could be completely incorrect but right the neighbor was a younger woman yeah she was there was no reason that owned Nermal I think so because okay, Nermal was like a lesbian right Nermal, well, Nermal was a cat, so I'm not sure. Cats are gay. Well, could be, because Odie's the dog. Odie was queer. Garfield, I don't see why not. Can cats be bears? Yeah, Garfield had this, like, bachelor, you know, like... <laughs> That's true. Garfield had this, like, carefree 
um, attitude kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, that tracks for me. So so let me check your marks, Alan, because this is a academically graded test. You oh, said no. least queer was the comics queer, middle queer, queerer was Eat, Pray, Love, audiobook. Because I didn't and understand it, and so I think it should be second. I th- And also I think the way you explained it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John Arbuckle at the top. One, two, two, three. Yes, correct. Congratulations. A plus. You are, in fact, a queer person. I was never good at school, but I'm really good at this. It paid off. And listen, you, we do the equivalent of a GED that I'll send you in the mail. Oh, perfect. Because I don't have anything. <laughs> That's right. Finally, that. your your outlook is going to change. Uh, well, well, thank you, Alan. This was an absolute fire-breathing pleasure. And before I let you go, is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, is there anything I'd like to plug? Uh, Asylum NYC reopens, yeah. uh, hopefully at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> look me up on Instagram at Cliff, K-L-I-F. Yeah. Um, or also um, a new Instagram profile of a character that I do called Ladder Daddy. Yeah. And you could follow Ladder Daddy at Ladder Daddy verse l-a-d-d-e-r oh ver- verse as in a song's verse well a universe actually because because that makes more I'm sense going to scotland i'm doing the edinburgh fringe I'm, I'm producing a few shows out there and doing this show called stamp town where i do ladder daddy yes. and i'm gonna do i'm gonna also in addition to a different daddy every show because <laughs> i did twink daddy recently yes What's so complicated why is little orphan daddy well, I was going to say, what about Newsy Daddy? Oh, Newsy Daddy would be a good... I, I have to come up with 16 daddies for Scotland. So. Oh my God, easy. So follow Ladder Daddy verse and you'll find out what those were. So many daddies ready for you to discover. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you, Alan. Uh, and I also have to tell you that I was pretty queer when this conversation started. And talking to you, Alan Clifford has made me queerer than ever. Oh, thank goodness. Thank the Lord above. I know. Listen, eat, pray, love, baby. Eat, pray, love. Thank you for having me. This was Mm. super fun. This was my pleasure. Okay, go forth and put your AirPods in and tell Liz Gilbert I say hi. I will. (laughs) Bye. Queer, queer, Oh boy, that is our show. That is our last season premiere. As always, more than ever, I think, you can send us mail at youmademequeer at gmail.com. If you don't send it now, this could be your only chance. Would you like an email read on the podcast? You can do it. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this show for obvious reasons and vote for us in the freaking Canadian Podcast Awards. You can go to the website. You can check our socials for links. I want to win all seven of those awards, especially uh, Best Diddy for Critty is what I call it. Hashtag justice for Critty. And that's it. So cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Harlow Castillo. Our theme song is by Critty. For more for music, check out lavenderbruises.bandcamp.com and vote for Critty. Our Instagram and Twitter, that's right, we don't call it X, handles are at You Made Me Queer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bend season five heart, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, we're here We're queer, and it's your fault. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.